<laughs> it is the moment of the vibe. Um, we've just started recording and we've just gone, let's just see how it goes. <laughs> hey guys, nice to see you. I don't, I don't know whether that bodes well for today's <laughs> podcast. <laughs> um, we have lots to get through and some interesting things to discuss. Um, but before we start, I just I needed to ask Brody, how did you find my ode to Brody <laughs> last week? Uh, so last week, just in case, you know, you were wondering or you were led astray by Matt, I was actually on holiday. You cried, didn't you? Matt sent me <laughs> the, the lyrics to his poem, and then I actually, I listened to it this morning when I listened to the podcast as well. <laughs> Which impressed me. <laughs> but anyway, there you go. Uh, you know, I, yeah, it, sometimes it worries me how much time Matt's put in, puts into that kind of thing. Um, oh, it was very quick. When you're writing from the heart, <laughs> these things happen. It's just, it's just so natural. <laughs> I was carried along by the spirit, a la 2 Peter chapter 1. So think about that one. Put that in your theological pipe and smoke it. Should we say hello to the... Yeah, hi the... AOC, how you doing? This is Matt, I'm Brady. So, um, this is Harold. Oh. <laughs> I'm getting sick of that now. Hey? <laughs> <laughs> this is one cameo appearance every time. Anyway, we should probably bring some semblance of order back to this podcast um you never answered the question though did you like i did like word? it i thought it was i thought it was very sad actually yeah, yeah. Oh, well that's what i was trying to communicate yeah did, did sharon <laughs> like it uh i'm going to play i did read it out to her and she was like oh that's so sweet oh uh, sounds but sweet. i'm going to play your reading of it because i think that really adds something to yeah experience. what that something is you don't know or you don't want to tell Look, I think she'll, you know, she'll well up. Okay, good. That's all yeah. I was hoping for. She likes to know that, you know, we're friends. Yeah, so. yeah. Because there, there was doubt. Um, so guys, what we're going to do today, um, we're doing two sections as per usual, leading the group and teaching the text. In leading the group, we're going to do a bit of a review and then think about what it looks like to pastorally care for your group. Uh, and then in teaching the text, we're going to um, head into Hebrews chapter 10. And spend a bit of time discussing that and its implications. It is. Things come together in this chapter for Hebrews. So it's really one of those things that just brings everything into focus, which mm. is really good. Um, Brody, would you like to pray for us sure. before we start off? Heavenly Father, today as we discuss our groups, as we discuss the passage, please give us great wisdom and give us great thoughtfulness so that we can best care for your people. We pray that we would do all of this by being faithful to your word. Amen. Amen. Um, let's segue then to leading the group. Um, a quick review from last uh, week, or rather this week, but it's last week for you as you're listening to it. <laughs> Sorry about that. That was a needless <laughs> comment. <laughs> it's the vibe. Um, I just want to keep reiterating to you um, the need, particularly when we're doing Bible studies uh, with large passages, uh, to manage the large chunks. I think the structure of the study we had this week just gone was really good um, because it, it treated the, the passage in bits and then kind of moved from one to the other to the other. Uh, but I will make some observations about how we handled all of those chunks. Um, we spent too much time in the early sections of the Bible study. And so we probably, I think the groups that I was involved with, spent maybe 66.6% .6 of their time, so two-thirds of their time, um, on chapter 8 and then really, really rushed chapter 9 uh, and they both both landed it but we just didn't get time at the airport to apply um, and so I just want to be encouraging you when it, when it comes to big chunks um, 
it's better to rush early than rush late is probably a good way of putting it. Um, and one of the things that, that stopped us from doing that is I don't think that we as leaders had a clear idea of the milestones or the gateways we were trying to get through like we discussed last week. So in Hebrews 8, there were two milestones or two gateways. The first one was to acknowledge that there is a similarity but a difference between Christ's ministry and the old ministry. Uh, it's both a copy but also a shadow. And that's all we were trying to establish, that there are two ministries, they're like each other, but Christ succeeds um, the previous one. And then the second milestone, which is in the second half of Hebrews 8, was just that the old covenant was flawed because the people were flawed. They kept sinning, and so in God's new covenant, he promises to deal with sin. And so really, you could have done both those questions all together in about 10 minutes if you really needed to. Read, ask the question, once they nail on the, the, the point, summarize by saying, yep, that's exactly right. These verses are telling us this. We're going to move on to the next part because we want to see it come together later. Don't worry about us rushing. Um, it might feel like rushing, but we're just moving to the, to the goods um, and then moving on like that. So this is an example. Um, so rush early, not late. Have a clear idea of what you're trying to achieve and then summarize and build towards where you're heading. Uh, so that's the review. Um, keep, keep at it. Uh, it was a hard passage and a lot of text to go through. Um, to some extent, actually, it's the same again this week. Um, less words, but just as many ideas. And so you'll have another opportunity to try and put that skill into practice. Um, now we're going to start talking about pastoral care uh, and how to care for your group pastorally. <laughs> you know, in school, I, I was, we always had pastoral care classes. Mm bit of a secular thing i think almost well i would argue that it's become they've stolen the christian term mm. and made it secular um why is it called pastoral care well last week we saw that we are not facilitators but leaders and now i'm just gonna have to break it to you i was probably lying to you the whole time then as well well okay lying is too strong a word maybe that you know there's more to the story yeah and and there is this is like the sequel that makes you realize why all of the things that happened in the first book needed to happen wow. i know welcome to part two of leadership in bible studies um we can't just think of ourselves as leaders when we are involved in any form of ministry to complete the picture we need to think of ourselves as pastors hence pastoral care um, one of the things that I've been trying to emphasize with you, Brody, as well, is that when it comes to ministry, the, the core activity of ministry is the teaching of the word. And for those of you who are at our leaders training at the beginning of the semester, you will remember this, that the key distinction between any notion of secular leadership and Christian leadership is the teaching aspect. Uh, there is a teaching of scripture, teaching of doctrine uh, that distinguishes Christian leadership from any other form of leadership. It is the activity of ministry. But that is not the whole picture, because we need to remember that as ministers, as pastors, um, we're not just there to teach the word, we're there to teach the word to people. Uh, and so that's what I want to kind of call the heart of ministry, although it's probably better to call it the target audience of ministry. I don't know, the focus of ministry. We, we had a bit of debate before we hit record about this. <laughs> Matt just likes coming up with you know fancy names and things. Well, I just like there to be order and, and structure. And so really what happens then is that as we think of ourselves in the space of, of leadership as pastors, it's not just that we're bringing to bear the word, but we're bringing to bear the word in people's lives. So it's really the word applied, it's scripture applied to people. Um, and we really see this actually in Ephesians chapter 4. 
um, where we get that that little phrase, speaking the truth in love. Mm. Um, it's phrase. it is, and and it's one that actually tacitly acknowledges that the whole activity of speaking the word is in the context of people and relationships. Mm. Um, something to be aware of. I remember one person used this really good metaphor. Um, you you have to do both. Uh, speaking speaking the word without love is like doing surgery uh, without anaesthetic. Um, you'll get the job done, but it'll be so painful they probably won't want to hear you again. Um, conversely, um, speaking, well, just loving without speaking the word is like sur- uh, not having the surgery, but just having the anaesthetic. So, you know, there's a lot of happy gas. People feel really good, but nothing ever gets done and the problem's never resolved. Um, both are required. Um, yeah, and so that's just something to be thinking about as, as we kind of begin to, to think practically about what it looks like to pastorally care. Um, Brody made a really good point before about um, what we tend to think pastoral care is about and why we're wrong. Yeah, which I think is why it's a bit of a secular term now, like why it's been, or how it's been borrowed and how that's influenced our understanding. Yeah, it used to be my PC class back in school or, you know, even in churches today, sometimes it's cooking a lasagna for someone and bringing her around when they're needing a, a meal. Like mm. it, it's that kind of acts of service, but somewhat removed from the word. Yeah, it's like the soothing of the problem without the solution or the instrument required to actually mm. deal with what's before us. Um, and so it's really important then to have in our mind that the word is integral uh, to any care of people mm. at all because it is God's word and God's truth that sanctifies. It's God's word and truth that frees and heals. And you, you can add any adjective you want there. Um, it'll do it. Um, uh, you, you're going to go to Acts. I was. way to do that. I've got another Acts passage to add to your one. Okay, cool. Well, should you go first? I'll do my best. So if we're, right, we're making the good. connection between you know meals and stuff for people and actually mm-hmm. word mystery, I thought of Stephen in Acts. Oh, yeah. Kind of early on, chapters, what, 6 and 7? Mm-hmm. Chapter, chapter 7. Six and seven of Acts. In chapter six, Stephen is appointed because the apostles have realised, uh, you know, where our main game is is preaching and teaching. And mm-hmm. so, you know, what we we shouldn't be taken away from that by serving on these tables because there's a whole lot of you know there's a lot of disciples at this point. There's a lot of people to feed. They're all a lot of widows. Yes, yeah, lots of dead people as well. From anyway. <laughs> Thanks for that. The, the, the table work is building up. Yeah, and so then they say, all right, let's appoint a couple of disciples who can look after that so that we can be freed up to do our word ministry stuff. They choose Stephen. Stephen, he's a godly man, and so he seems like a good choice. And the next thing that you see Stephen do isn't actually waiting on tables. It's delivering this awesome speech. <laughs> like he... He's all 60 verses of why the Jews were wrong, yeah. and then he gets stoned to death. Yeah, so this guy, who his main job is what we might think of the pastoral care stuff. It's the, you know, the giving people food and looking after their physical needs. He isn't removed from the responsibility of actually looking after people with the word. Mm, he doesn't just disappear. Um, and again, this, this link between the word ministry and caring for people, you actually see in Acts chapter 20, and I do want to read this to you because this is, um, I, I want to impress upon you just what it is the task that you have as a Bible study leader. It's not just about getting through the study or even landing the plane. Um, it's about the people that you're flying with. So listen to what he says. This is in Acts chapter 20, 
Uh, and we'll start from verse 26. Uh, he's with the Ephesian elders. So he, this was a church he was with for three years, and he knows that he's not coming back to see them again. This is his goodbye. And he says, Therefore I testify to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all, for I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole counsel of God. There's the truth in the word bit. And he continues, Pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers, to care for the church of God, which he obtained for, by, with his own blood. I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock, and from among your own selves will arise men speaking twisted things to draw away the disciples after them. And then he concludes by saying, therefore, be alert. And the point here is that we have this picture of, as, as, of us as pastoral carers, really as shepherds and God's people as the flock that he has entrusted to our care and the way that we care for them is to teach them right things and to keep away the wolves who teach them wrong things. Mm. Um, and so we really want to be emphasising that at the heart of pastoral care, that's what it's about. It's about bringing the word of God to bear in their personal circumstances. And so I want to give you four things to think about uh, as to how you might pastorally care for your group in the four or five weeks remaining in semester. Uh, first, and quickly, the thing that you're already doing which is teaching the word. Um, so we can just move on straight away. Number two, um, really basic, get to know your people. Uh, if you don't know who they are, you can't speak the truth in love. You can speak the truth generically and hope it hits, but you're not aiming for anything. Uh, and so if you get to know your people, then you can target or personalize your application. So for example, you might have a group where you know everyone is a Christian. Great, that means that the, the, the challenges to come to Christ aren't necessary, but the challenge is to continue in him or to go deeper and be a bit more specific about aspects of our life um, is there. Conversely, if you know your group has non-Christians, then maybe you'll spend more time going, have you put your faith in Jesus, mm. as an example. Um, or the other advantage of getting to know them is that it enables you to love them. Um, I wouldn't know how to hug Brody just the way that he wants to be hugged <laughs> if, if I didn't get to know him. <laughs> As brief as possible. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure that I've ever really hugged you. Side, side hug. A frame. Oh, uh, yeah, A frame. Room for the Holy Spirit. Um, and so, yeah, number two, just get to know your people. Um, number three, and we're building our way to, uh, well, no, we're not, because the first one was just as important as the others. But number three is probably the most practical and the one that I want you to, to take some time to do. It shouldn't take you longer than five or ten minutes. Um, but really important for you as leaders to do this. Um, figure out where your people are at and what the next step is for them in their Christian maturity. Uh, at EOC, our mission statement is to proclaim Jesus Christ on campus to make and mature disciples of Jesus. And so what we need to work out is where are they and how can we move them along to deeper maturity in Jesus? And so you have a whole bunch of categories. Uh, you can break them down yourself, but um, the ones that Matthias Media use, the ones that I think we're most familiar with, you reckon you can rattle them off the top of your head? Or? I'm not sure which ones you're thinking yeah, of. Yeah, okay, well, it doesn't really matter then. I'll just talk about them. So you've got people who aren't Christian. Um, you've got people who aren't Christian but are seeking. You've got new Christians. Uh, you've got growing Christians. And then you've got Christians that are serving and, and mature and in, and, tra and in training. And so you could come up with your own labels. It doesn't really matter. The thing is to go, all right, um, Billy is a new Christian. What does he need to grow in or, or what's his next step 
to maturity in Christ. Uh, and so uh, what you need to do is sit down and just write a list of all the people in your group and say that. Now, it may be that some of the people in your group have only come two or three times, maybe even less. So the next step for them is to get them connected regularly to a place where the word is being ministered to them. Mm. So it's probably a good time in semester to give them a call and just say, hey, I noticed you haven't been around for a couple of weeks. I just want to see how you're doing. Mm. Um, how are things going? Is campus stressful? Um, we'd love to see it Bible study so we can be caring for you. Is that something that you reckon you could do? Um, it's just a way of communicating to them that you care for them and that you want to do that via the word. So that's just something to be thinking about. Yeah, but the, the act of actually choosing something for each person in the group I think that's a really good discipline. Yeah, yeah. And even if you don't follow through, because you might realize quite quickly, oh, God's plan for this person is very different to my next step. Uh, but what it does is it gives you an intentionality in your approach to people and going, all right, I'm not just here doing a Bible study, doing the daily grind week by week, but I'm actually like, okay, I know where I want this person to go. Mm. Um, and it, yeah, it just, it helps you uh, as you lead. And in particular, it helps you with the fourth point. So, so far we've seen teach the word, Number two, get to know your people and then work out their next step. And then number four, um, you pray for them. I think that you need to be making a discipline of praying for your group members regularly. Mm. How regularly you make that, don't know. Um, I would probably recommend once a week. Uh, it doesn't have to be long. You could go, here are my 10 people. I'm just going to pray a sentence prayer for each of them, two minutes on the bus. Mm. Uh, and in fact, starting that small is going to be the only way you build a a discipline of praying for your group members regularly. Mm. Um, but that's just something that I want to encourage you to be doing as a way of caring for them. I find that, so I, I lead a Bible study for church. On the way to church, I pray for my group members. Like there's a set time that I have that make sure that if I forget to do it during the week, at least at that point, I can be doing it. Yeah, and it might feel small. It might feel like, you know, only a token five minutes, but it's a beginning that, yeah, and it shows our dependence on God to be doing all of this stuff that we want to happen. Absolutely. Yeah. So that's pastoral care. Um, let's segue into teaching the text. Now's the time to pause, uh, read Hebrews chapter 10, uh, and then have a go at filling out the summary box for your own learning and education. Um, and then you can come back and we'll tell you what we think. We'll wait for you. Okay, we've waited for you. <laughs> The joke that never gets old, yeah, and yet everyone else is probably so cringing. There's so many of them. It's like Carol. It's like, oh, so yeah, many yeah. We need new ones. You know what? We we need another character. Yeah, that's we... what Home and Away do. They just bring on a new person. Yeah, but usually they also bring on an old person who's died but come back to life. But no, that's more soap opera. I don't know, but all all I know is that there needs to be a near death experience and yes. a new love interest. Um, <laughs> and then they find out that they're, they're long lost yeah, yeah, or yeah or something like that but given that both Brady and I are married I suppose the only love interest we can bring on is one for Harold now there's a thought <laughs> uh, but we digress let's have a look at the overview box for Hebrews chapter 10 uh, let's ask the what of the passage what is the passage about um, and here's what I have gotten down um, only Christ's once and for all sacrifice sanctifies from sins and gives confidence to draw near to God. Um, actually very similar to the one that Alicia and Laura gave us. Uh, the study is courtesy of them this week. Um, I just tweaked it a bit and changed the word cleanses to sanctifies because I think that's the word that chapter 10 uses as compared to chapter 9, which does use the cleansing language. Mm. Um, but otherwise, there it is. Only Christ's once for all sacrifice sanctifies from sins 
and gives confidence to draw near to God. Mm. Over to Brody. Yeah, see, now we, we had this discussion. Earlier. Discussion. Oh. Well, look, I, I tried to have a discussion. There was a healthy disagreement. Yes. That and remains I unresolved. Was, I was overruled in the end. <laughs> I, look, I, I have a bit of a different view of this passage uh, in that I think it's a bit bigger Is than this, that so, what. Okay. So you don't think that Jesus once for all sacrifice sanctifies from sins? Stop playing devil's advocate. That's not <laughs> what I'm saying. I'm just creating tension yeah. a la two weeks ago. Yeah. Um, um, yeah. <laughs> so I think that this passage is actually a little bit more than that. The danger with that what, I think, is that it focuses our attention on really the first 18 verses of this chapter. And we kind of don't get as much from the second half. Um, I think, what's going on in this chapter? Well, it is true that Christ once for all sacrificed from sin. It's definitely there. And that's a, the, the, the reason, I would say. I got too excited. The yeah, reason. You kind of went. The reason that we should be confident to draw near to God. But I think that this chapter is actually doing a particular thing where the, the writer of the Hebrews is trying to show how overwhelmingly every possible reason you can have is a reason why you should stay confident that you can draw near to God. And so, yeah, definitely uh, Christ's work in sanctifying people through his sacrifice is, is it's right central there. I think, though, there's other things. So um, from verse 5 to verse 9, it, it's about his obedience, doing the Father's will, which is offering the sacrifice, but I think he, he draws it out as a, a slightly different perspective. Uh, and then even further on in verse 16 and 18, uh, the Hebrew writer, he, he says, God has promised this beforehand, and later on he mentions how God is faithful to his promises. There's actually a few different ways that we're presented with this truth. Mm-hmm. Um, like verse 26 to 31 is the negative. Yeah, that's so, you right. Know, if you ignore Jesus' sacrifice, then you're going to get slapped. Yeah, which I think you've, you've included with the only. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A yeah. little subtle nod. That was the only word I could sneak in to, to adjust this. Um, actually, I find that section really interesting and uh, quite confronting, especially when you go back to Deuteronomy and see how if you transgress the Mosaic law, you, you get stoned outside the camp. Like, I mm. think that's quite a strong... Yeah, like, and then verse 29, how much worse punishment do you think will be deserved by the one who was trampled under, who was trampled underfoot the Son of God? Yeah, yeah. So that's kind of the negative side. And I think as well, 32 to the end, he's reminding them of the fact that they've already been you know, confident of this. They've already been living in this way beforehand. And so he's saying, don't give it up. Um, you know, don't throw away your confidence in verse 35. Mm. So my, my suggestion is that this passage is actually, it is about Christ's once for all sacrifice that cleanses us and gives us assurance. But I think it's bigger. I think that it's really, the writer of Hebrews is showing that you have every reason to be confident. And that's your what of the passage, right? Yeah. You have every reason to be confident in your confession or something along those lines. Yeah, something along those yeah. lines. Okay. Yeah, okay, cool. Yeah. Um, to which I would respond by saying two things, <laughs> and neither of them are disagreements. Um, one of them is to simply acknowledge that what Brody is, is, is pointing out is the, the limitation of what it is that we're doing with you each week. When we ask you to do the overview box and ask you to summarize, um, summary is good because it focuses you on the main idea, but what it does is it actually cuts out some of the particular details of what's going on. 
Um, and so Brody's reminder is a really helpful one. Um, his, his what, the what is the passage about, is unhelpful because it's too broad. And he, you, you would acknowledge that, wouldn't you? Look, I found it hard to fit it into one sentence. So yeah. yes, I would yeah, acknowledge it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, like, so accurate that it's of no use whatsoever. Really, that's what you're saying. Right. Look, I think it's still useful. I'm being mean, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, but the, the point being is that there is actually a tension in the way that we're doing things. And, and whilst it's an important and necessary skill for you to be able to summarize the passages that you are seeking to teach, and I hope it's something that you will continue to do um, every time you come to a Bible study or a talk, a youth group or whatever it is, um, you need to acknowledge that the very act of summarizing means that detail is lost. Uh, which can mean that you will forget or ignore the detail before you in the passage, like mm. Brody's been saying. So there's some really interesting stuff there about how um, God says, um, well, Christ says, you don't, God, you, you haven't wanted sacrifices. What you want is somebody to do your will. Um, and that will idea kind of pops up again in at the end of chapter 10 in verse 36, for you have need of endurance so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what is promised. And so there are all these little interesting details that kind of web across and make this really inter intricate um, web of ideas that, that is held around Christ's once-for-all sacrifice. But if we just kind of summarise it, we, we paper over the detail and we make it too flat. Hmm. Um, and the danger is for you guys as leaders that you miss the detail because you only think about the summary. Hmm. And so that means when you're leading the study and it might go in different directions or you're trying to bring it together... You're not aware of actually the bigger picture of what's going on. Yeah, yeah. And on one level, for a 50-minute Bible study, probably not as important, but as it comes to studying and understanding the Word, understanding the nuances will help you apply it correctly and accurately. Mm. Um, so that's something to be aware of. Um, the second thing um, is one of the reasons we're experiencing this tension, um, and I wouldn't even call it a disagreement, but we're actually just trying to work it out from different angles uh, one of the reasons we're experiencing it is because of where we are in the book. Uh, if you remember on your leader's notes, there were two key turning points in Hebrews, one in chapter 4, 14 to 16, and the other is in chapter 10, 19 to 24, or 25. Um, and, and this is the, between those two turning points is actually a very large chunk of exposition, mm. with the exception of chapter 5, 11 to 6, 20, where he kind of goes on a tangent and says everyone's dull um, and sluggies. Um, Sorry, what? <laughs> sluggies. You know, they call them sluggish. So I just call them sluggies. Sluggies. Okay, yeah, okay. Just I got trapped sluggies? between two words. Sluggers. Sluggies? Yeah, okay, let's just go with sluggers. Shut up, okay? Doesn't he finish what I'm trying to say? <laughs> Far out, man. Like, I just, I'm just trying to leave. I'm trying to teach the word. I see you said like slushies or yeah, like yeah, yeah, uggies, okay. like unboots or something. The point is that between those two turning points, it's just one giant chunk of argumentation that then smashes home in chapter 10, verse 19. And that, therefore, brothers, is not just for the first 18 verses of chapter 10, but actually from chapter 5, um, yeah, from the very beginning of chapter 5. Yeah, which is why you've got high priests, the great priests in verse 21. Mm. It's not just the sacrifice, which is what's mostly been on view just beforehand. Yeah, and this is why the question the girls have included in the Bible study is really helpful, because they, they treat Hebrews 10, 1 to 18, but then they kind of do a retrospective and they ask, well, what have we seen from chapter 5? Um, and the reason that's important is because if we don't have all of those things in our head, when it comes to chapter 10, verse 19, and the author's conclusion, um, I might have accidentally called him Paul, but it's not Paul. It's I don't remember doing that, but maybe I did. The author of the Hebrews, he's basically saying, because of all of these things that we've learned, chapter 5, he's a priest. 
Chapter 7, he's a better priest. Chapter 8, he has a better covenant. Chapter 9, he does a better sacrifice. Chapter 10, the sacrifice is once for all, it cleanses us. Because of all of those things, we can then therefore draw near. Which really, God. you're on my side here, right? This is saying you have every possible reason to be confident to draw mm -hmm. near to God. It justifies summary. And so, therefore, that's why I've opted for a more narrow approach. Um, but being sensitive to that is actually really helpful because then once we get to verse 19 and the, the, the study is structured like this, we can actually be asking these questions of, of really application uh, that flow out of everything we've seen so far. So they've got a question on chapter 10, 19 to 25, which is really helpful. But then they've got a focus on 26 to 39, which is really more exhortation to, to draw near to God and hold fast to him but in different reasons. Mm. Um, two sides I, I, of the same I love, point here. I love that, that there's application in the middle of the study. When you, you see the exhortations, there are there are commands here for what you mm. should do. Well, you know, don't wait till the end. Apply it straight away. Yeah. And, and make the most of that, guys. And this is like one of those situations where if you want to get the study bogged down in verses 19 to 25, then do it. Because there's so much application there to think about how we can bring this to bear. Bog, bog down in the sense of you're applying it, not just trying to understand it. Yeah, 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 absolutely. But in terms of, you know, if you're going to stall the plane and leave it sitting at 32,000 feet, versus 19 to 25 is the place to do it. Well, let's, is it more that you're, you're having a stopover? Yeah, or you're getting refueled midair. See, I was thinking the application is kind of like collecting your bags at the carousel so that you're ready to leave the airport and go out into the world. Or is it hopping into the taxi at the taxi rank? Or unpacking your bag once you get home? No, that, that's all the things that you, you know, do with the application. Yeah, okay, that's fair. <laughs> We're being lame. Anyway, the point being, um, that's that that whole discussion was purely for you to understand some of the complexities of what's going on here and what it is we're doing, so that when you do it in the future without Matt Brody and Harold, um, you are equipped and aware of what it is you're doing. Mm -hmm. So with that in mind, let's quickly speed through the next three, because I think in doing so, I think we've covered a lot yeah, of I was going to say, we only, we only did number one. No, that's all right. Um, why was the passage written? Um, I have written to exhort the Hebrews to hold fast to Christ. Um, Brody was happy there. Um, I wanted to add something else again for specificity, but acknowledging that it doesn't necessarily need to be there. So I've written to exhort the Hebrews to hold fast to Christ. For if they don't, there remains no sacrifice for sins, just judgment. Um, and the reason I want to add that is it's sort of the complement to the idea that it's actually Christ's sacrifice that deals with sin. And so if we don't continue with him, then we've got nothing. Hmm. Um, Brody's argument was that that, is, that part of the why should actually be the what. Hmm. Um, so even though it's a why in the passage, it's a what of the passage. Yeah. We'll it's say. not why it's written. The why it's written is because he, he wants them to hold fast. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and that's entirely fine. So if you want to have the what is the why and the why is the what, then why <laughs> well, are we you know, even here? If you, what if are we you... doing? <laughs> <laughs> what are we even doing here? It doesn't really matter. Why are we even doing here? Um, irrespective of which one you're happy with, it will help clarify what it is you're trying to achieve um, in the study, mm. um, which leads us to the main point and the big question, and we will finish here. Um, the main point, only Jesus sanctifies us from sin, so continue in your faith. It's basically just a rehash of what the passage is about. It's very simple. And big question, shout out to Alicia and Laura. This was theirs in capital letters. Brody, do you want to read it out? I liked your accent. Do you trust him? Yeah, with a wink and then a bracket saying, feel free to change this. Ha ha ha. 
And so we are going to feel free to change this. Um, do you trust him? Again, we want to try and make the application as specific as we can. I mean, the sentiment's there. The sentiment <laughs> is there. Um, and we've reworded it. Um, hopefully, it's a bit, a bit more helpful. Um, do you believe that Jesus has made you perfect? Now, you could have a number of big questions here. Um, what was one of the other ones we had? Do you remember what it was? No, but no. I was just going to say, the, the trouble is with the big question, it's, it's specific, but it's not specific enough. No. You know, you can't just have that as your application. You need to make it more personal. Yeah, yeah. And so do you believe that Jesus has made you perfect? You need to delve into some of the things we even talked about in Hebrews 8 and 9 about the ways that we deal with sin. Uh, in this case, it'll be a case of do we actually think that Jesus has perfected us well, yeah, we might intellectually do that, but how is it that we act or respond that shows that we don't? And don't assume that there aren't people who are not struggling. Wait, is that too many negatives? No, 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 no. It's 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 fine. Okay, aren't people? You can add another knot in there if you like. <laughs> don't assume there aren't people who are struggling with feeling like they're not good enough for God, or yeah. feeling like they've done things that actually exclude them from. And, and frankly, there's there's a point at which um, not not a point, but like every Christian struggles with this to some degree all throughout their walk. Um, and so another way of asking this big question is, do you think that Jesus forgives you? Mm. Um, it's, it might sound like a suck eggs question. Well, yes, I'm a Christian, duh. But on another level, there are some sins, some actions that we've all done in our past where we're just like, wow, that was heavy. And there's a difference between knowing something in your head and feeling it, feeling that, oh, no, I've, I've really messed up here. Mm. And so part of the trick is working out how to bring that big question to bear personally mm. on the lives of your members and of course, the only way you can do that is, to, care. Yeah, is, nice. is to know them, um, which is a beautiful way of circle. bringing things around. Just so um, how about I close Good by praying? It, hey. <laughs> it's all about the vibe. Thanks, man. Father in heaven, thank you so much for Hebrews 10 uh, and how it shows us uh, the accumulation of an argument uh, with so many different reasons as to why Jesus is the only way that our sin can be dealt with and that we can draw near to you in full assurance of faith that you will redeem us once and for all and bring us to be with you. Father, we pray that as these guys prep their studies, uh, you'll give them clarity about what this particular passage is about and help them to bring to bear all of the things that your word tells us about how Jesus is our only hope. I pray that the groups will not uh, move away in doubt or fear, but that they will be able to see that without Jesus, there is no more sacrifice for sins. And if they walk away, they are trampling the Son of God underfoot and profaning the blood that saved them. And so I pray that uh, our leaders will first imbibe that themselves and let that shape their own faith and that they too will be able to share that with those they lead. And we pray all this in your Son's name. Amen. Amen. Bye-bye. <laughs>